0: A couple weeks ago, we kicked off our series, Common Ground, and I shared a story about an experience that I had in Indonesia about 10 years ago. I had a chance to go to the South China Sea on an island, and while the Muslim call to prayer was going off on this island, I was sitting on a bench, and a young adult walked by, sat next to me, and asked me this question Are you a Muslim? And if I answered the question, no, I'm a Christian, I knew at that time the conversation would end. So I answered this way I said, in the best sense of the word, yes, I'm a Muslim, because Islam means to submit. And I submit myself to God. Well, that caught his attention. And so I continued. I said, the Quran actually teaches that Jesus is the greatest person that ever lived, both here now and the life to come. And I put my faith in Jesus. I'm a follower of Isa al And he sat down. And we had a conversation. We found common ground. I then taught him, I then reminded him of the teachings of the Quran. that the Quran teaches us that Muslims are to follow all the holy books, to learn from the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we opened up the New Testament to learn more about Jesus. And after I shared this story a couple weeks ago, a couple members of our church came and said, oh man, that was great, I wanted to stand up and cheer. It was so cool to hear how you found common ground with this new friend. Another person said, I would have never thought to say that. I would have never thought to have done that. And my response was this, and neither would have I thought to give that response had not I met a man by the name of Kim Gustafson. Kim Gustafson is our speaker this morning, and he's going to share with you some of the truths that he has taught me and many others about finding common ground particularly with Muslims people that may come from a different background a different culture different set of religious beliefs but are seeking to worship God and submit themselves to God and his teachings and so this morning we have Kim Gustafson as well as Hassanane and they're going to share a bit about the Islamic faith as well as Hassanine's own spiritual journey. But before they come up here, I'd like to test your IQ. Not your intelligence quotient, but your international quotient in your own mind. Or maybe with the person next to you, try answering the following questions. First one is this. What is the highest number of Somalians outside of Somalia, where do you find the ho- highest number of Somalians outside of Somalia? Anybody want Oh, you already know. Right here in our own backyard, the Twin Cities. 77,000 over 77,000 Somalians, and within the Twin Cities, we actually have over 500,000 immigrants speaking 136 different languages and 92% have never entered a church. Service. Here's the next question for you. How many mosques are in the Twin Cities? 28, 100, or 128? Anybody want to shout out an answer? 128. If you shouted out or you thought 128, you are correct. There's one in Plymouth. There's plans for one to be built here in Maple Grove. The Muslim faith is growing here in the Twin Cities. Here's the last question. Where is the largest Hindu temple in North America located? Anybody want to shout an answer? Maple Grove, Minnesota. The largest Hindu temple is right here in our community. According to the website, over 4,000 families are part of the uh, Hindu temple. Our neighbors, friends, co-workers are worshiping there. Next week... We're going to talk more about Hinduism, but this week we're going to learn about Islam. And not to argue, not to debate, not to say I'm right, you're wrong, but to find common ground, to build bridges of trust that can bear the weight of truth. And with that, would you please join me in welcoming Kim Gustafson?
1: And his name. Well, before we begin, I have to tell you all, uh, I am a covenant member of Faith Covenant Church in Burnsville, and we, uh, my wife and I and four children have been members down there since 1978, so 36 years. So greetings uh, to you all from them. Uh, before we start also, I just want to mention that uh, two things happened to me when I went to college, and uh, the first thing was I met Jesus Christ, and I had not been raised in a Christian home. But a couple of guys had the faith and the trust in God to knock on my dormitory room door and talk to me for about 45 minutes, and they led me to Jesus. So my life changed radically on the spot. But the second thing that happened my freshman year was equally of equal importance, and that is I went to hear a medical doctor. A friend of mine said, would you like to hear this guy? He left his practice in the States for one year and went to North Africa. And I said, yeah, I'd like to, and, uh, especially if he has some slides or pictures. And uh, I listened to this guy's presentation in a home and uh, didn't hear anything he said, didn't remember anything he said except one thing. And he, this medical doctor, and I've come in contact with him in the last few years he is still living, he said there is one missionary for every one million Muslims. And that was spring of 1968. Take a guess at how many... Missionaries there are today for each million Muslims, three so we 're not doing too well on a whole. When I think of some of the most amazing things that we have seen uh, as we have worked with Muslims in the world of Islam for years, and this is why uh, Hassanein is here, and uh, he 'll be sharing his personal faith story as well as giving us the content of what a Muslim believes but when God spoke to me through that, that, that doctor, I realized that, God, I don't know what Islam is, I don't know what Muslims speak, believe, whatever, but if you want to use me someday, I will prepare myself. So that has ended uh, up in 40 years of basically being centered on the Islamic community, the Islamic mindset. We lived in the Middle East for many years, etc. But the most exciting thing that has happened, and you have not heard this on CNN or Fox, I'm sure, but in 2007, in September, okay, this is just seven years ago, a document was issued, was put together by 138 Islamic scholars, grand muftis, imams, sheikhs, and the document is called The Common Word Between Us. And you can Google it today. Just look at uh, commonword.org. But 138 scholars put this together, and they presented it first to the Pope and then to every other uh Christian denomination or organization around the world. And I want you just to listen to what this document says. Muslim and Christians together make up well over half of the world's population. Without peace and justice between these two religious communities, there can be no meaningful peace in our world. The future of the world depends on peace between Muslims and Christians. The basis for this peace and understanding already exists. Now, this is Muslims coming to us, okay? If anything, we should be coming to them, because I think we have the basis for peace and understanding, don't we? But this is what it goes on to say. It is part of the very foundational principles of both faiths, love of God and love of the neighbor. These principles are found over and over again in the sacred texts of Islam and Christianity. The unity of God, the necessity of love for him, and the necessity of love for the neighbor is thus the common ground between Islam and Christianity. This document literally has blown open the door of every mosque in the world. And we've been able to go into mosques and and ask to see the imam and ask him, are you familiar with the common word document? And if he isn't, then we educate him a little bit, get his secretary uh, Googling it. But if he is, we just sit down and we start talking about what can we do together in community to love God and to love our neighbor. With that as kind of a frame, I want to turn this over to Hassanein. And Hassanain is a dear, dear friend of mine. I don't know, we've known each other for about 25 years, maybe more, mm-hmm. maybe 30. Uh, but I want him to give his faith story and then lead us through the beliefs of Islam. Assalamu alaykum. alaikum. Alaikum salam.
2: Oh, good. At least I can. Well, so I don't have to speak in English then. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I, every time I get wired up, I kind of wonder. You know, Americans do not like to see a Muslim all wired up. But <laughs> it's actually a guy up there did it, so I think you are safe.
0: <laughs>
2: um, my name is. Now, they told me I have just a few minutes. So my actual name is Hassanen Karmali Hirjiwalji, Bimji Kimji, Damji, Kanji, Sundarji. Amen. <laughs> All right. It's All right. your turn. My time is up. <laughs> okay. But that is actually my name. I'm originally from Uganda, East Africa. Um, came here in 1972. I was brought up as a Muslim, as a Shia Muslim. My father was an imam. That's like a pastor. My, my, all my uncles, that's my father's brothers, they were all head of a mosque. And I had a youth group, what we call madrasa, where I used to teach the Quran. And it was something that I loved doing. And I had learned Arabic, or reading Arabic, so that I could read the Quran in its original language. Because I loved it so much. My brother... At the other hand, he was the head of the, all the adults in Uganda. And when we got here, in the Minnesota a frozen wasteland.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and I said that it's because the temperature, what you see outside today, is what we had in Uganda 365 days a year. Okay? Paradise. As a matter of fact, Uganda is mentioned in the Bible. If you read in the Old Testament, it talks about Garden of Eden. So now you know where that is. <laughs> now, why in the world would I want to leave a paradise and end up in this frozen wasteland? That's a long story that I don't have time to share right now. But we had no idea when we left Uganda where we, where we were going to end up. We basically had to jump over bodies. They were out in, in the runway and get into the plane and escape. We ended up in Italy, in Rome. And then in Naples, where we were in a refugee camp, and from there, we ended up here. When we got here, if you want to look it up, November 28, 1972, it was 22 below zero. (laughs) I would have never even imagined that. But anyways, one of the hardest things we found was the cultural differences. And of course, food. Uh, To us, uh, food was very, Plain, you know, no spices, no nothing. It's just, in fact, I remember when I first went, that's my wife Kathy, by the way. Uh, we've been married 36 years. And I remember going first time to her house, and I had to bring spices with me. And her mom says, you don't like my cooking? I said, it's got nothing to do with it. It's just that it's too plain. And when they made eggs, I put a whole lot of pepper in it. And my father-in-law would say, are you going to have some eggs with your pepper? I said, yep. <laughs> but anyways, when we came here, I think one, the hard part was not to have the community, what we call Ummah. So my brother and I started the first Shia mosque in Minneapolis. And that was right across the street from North Central University, which used to be North Central Bible College. That same mosque is right now in Brooklyn Center. It's a huge mosque. And then there's another four branches that came out of that mosque. And so Islam is growing. In fact, the the thing is, a lot of the churches have now become mosques. They have bought churches and converted them to the mosque. Now my brother is currently still a very strong Muslim. He's actually the president of all of North America and Canada for all Shia mosques. So he's a guy that goes by churches and converts them to the mosques. And so when I see that, it really hurts to see how come our churches are dying, yet Islam is growing. I, when I came here, I was 16, so I went to high school. And in, in high school, you know, I, I I'd meet these kids, and hardly anybody would talk to me. I'm talking 70s. And I would come home and I would tell my brother, you know, boy, these Christians, they don't know how to pray. They don't even know how to fast. And my brother says, well, maybe that's why Allah brought us here, so we can teach them how to pray and how to fast. And so that became my mission. And as I was doing that, I somehow, against so a long story, I got involved with Youth for Christ. Campus Life, and then I got involved with Campus Crusade for Christ, uh, Young Life, Student Life. Man, they had a whole bunch of lives back then. (laughs) I wish we can bring one of them life back to the uh, high schools here today. And so I got involved with these kids, and I started to share Islam with all these Christian kids. And to make the long story short, there was one kid that I had met. He Gosh, every time I see him, he'll always talk about Jesus. You know, if you die today, would you go to heaven? I said, I said, my morning prayers this morning, yeah, i would go to heaven. Are you 100% sure you would go to heaven? I said, well, no, Allah knows that. He said, well, I know I'll go to heaven right away. As soon as I die, I'm in heaven. I said, well, good for you, just don't bother me. I got, because I had gotten so sick of this kid, so all he talked about is Jesus. There's nothing else he would talk about. And then one day he came and brought his four spiritual booklets. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that or not, but they talk about how you can become a Christian. So here comes this kid again, brings his four spiritual booklet, and I said, I'm not interested right now. He says, no, 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 you, you, you know, let me show it." And I says, no, I'm not interested. And just, I just told him, look, I promise you I'll read it. So I put it in my pocket. Just get, get him out of my way. And when I went home that evening, as I was changing my clothes, I took that out and I started reading it, and I memorized all the verses from it. And then two, three weeks later, the youthful Christ kids and we were all sitting there, and here he comes, and man, I could smell that kid a mile away. So I was trying to find a place to hide, so I would not have to deal with this kid, you know. And of course he does find me, and sits right next to me, and again, what does the first thing he does? open his Bible. He says "Let me show you." You know, let me show you from the Bible. I said, What are you gonna show me? John three sixteen, the God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I started showing all the verses I memorized from the four spiritual laws. For the first time he was quiet. And he looked at me and he goes, You know all that stuff and you are a Muslim? I said, Yeah, that's right. I said, What do you know about Islam? There's nothing. I said, What makes you think you are right and I'm wrong? We don't even know what I believe in. How do you know I'm wrong? And then I invited him home to my family's house. And if you had met my family, my mom, and my wife will tell you, there are very, very few Christians I know that can stand next to them when it comes to loving, caring, helping, the generosity. And that's just part of the culture. It's not just the religion. It's part of our culture. And so when I invited this kid over and we didn't talk religion. We just talked about families and stuff, and you know. And my mom, of course, prepared our, the Indian curry and, uh, and the whole nine yards. And man, this could, this kid would eat. Wow, he was sweating like crazy, but he could eat. <laughs> but just as he was leaving, I walked him out to the door, and he goes, "Man, you have a great family." I said, "That is Islam. That's what we believe in." Here's one kid i was ready to accept islam because he did not have that in the church he did not have a family that believed in god they believed in jesus they went to church some of them but that's it i was just going to church it was a routine and so then i got more excited as i saw him getting closer to becoming a muslim i started sharing more and more and more again to make the long story short There were three other kids that I had met that I became very, very close friends to. These three kids, I mean, never spoke a word about Jesus to me. All they did was hang around me. And I remember the first time, um, they said, it was my first winter here, of course. uh, They said, you want to go out uh, on a toboggan? I said, what is that? I said, oh, you will love it. Well, I didn't have nothing better. To do. I said, "Okay." So we get in the van and come up the hill. And I come out and I looked at the hill and, I said, oh no 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 no! I'm not gonna do that. Yes, you are. I know I'm not. Well, they put a, a piece of board out there, or whatever toboggan you guys call it. We to call it a board. They put pick me up, put me on this board, and push me down the hill. I was screaming the whole way down. And, you know, I never, made it, I never made it to the bottom. I hopped off. these trees and brushes and everything coming up. So they come down, drag me up there, put me back, push me down. They kept doing it until I made it all the way down without jumping off. I was getting cold, and I was getting tired. But it kind of became a challenge. Now I was trying to stay in there. But, man, I tell you, I had a hard time. So then after that, we come inside. They go, you want to go skating? I said, what's that? Oh, you're going to love it. I said, well, I'm not too sure. He said, yeah, we're going out, out on, a, on a lake. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, let's do it. I got so excited. So we hopped in the van again and go out and came out, and I'm looking, looking. I said, I thought we were going to the lake. Said, we are. I said, where's the lake? Lake. He said, well, it's right there. And I, go, I said, no, a lake, you know. I thought my, I didn't, I didn't, my English was wrong. I said, you know, water, lake? He said, that is lake. It's just, it's frozen. It's Minnesota. It's winter. It's frozen. I said, you got to be kidding me. (laughs) So he said, I said, oh, so that's what one of your teachers was talking about, Peter walking on the water. It was in Minnesota (laughs) in the winter. Anyway, so this is, and then I see all these kids, you know, going around, and I go. Oh, no, 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 no! I do that when I'm walking. I don't need to go on that. And here, of course, the other thing is, I'm going to go right in the water. Uh, they forced, put skates on my feet and brought me up there in the middle. I'm hanging on to one kid here, one kid here, and I wasn't going to let go. Because I kept sliding, kept sliding, and after 10, 15 minutes, my elbow, my feet, everything was killing me. So we got out, came back inside. You want to go swimming? I said, well, I don't know how, and they ju- Threw me in the pool. The pool was 12 feet deep, and the water was freezing cold. So they had to jump in and try and get me out. I was just freezing. And then they said, you want to go in the sauna? I said, no more games. I'm done. <laughs> they said, no, you will really like the... I said, no, I'm done with all these games. I don't want to play any more games. Well, I weighed 89 pounds. so They didn't take much. They picked me up, and I was so nervous with this next game was gonna be. They opened this door up and we you know, brought me in there and boy it felt warm. I said now this game I like. <laughs> so I sat there and then I saw this kid putting water in that hot stove and it got hotter, so I just kept pouring water on the thing, you know. It got so hot nobody could stand there or left. I sat there and I tell you what, I was soaking up every bit of heat I possibly could. Because it, oh man, I was just loving that. 15, 20 minutes later, here they come back again. I said, Are you still in there? I says, yeah. He said, didn't you read the sign? I said, what sign? She says, you can't be in there more than 15, 20 minutes. I said, I'm at home, just leave me alone. It's the best game ever. Well, that didn't work. They got, they got me out of there. But while I was in there soaking up, they went outside and dug a hole in the snow. So they brought me outside, they threw me in this hall, buried me up to my neck, and then they started taking pictures. Why am I sharing this? What's this <laughs> got to do with it? Well, this is something where I saw these kids who went to church every Sunday morning, went to church every Sunday night, went to church every Wednesday, and they had choir, which I did not know what choir was, but I know it had something to do with the church. And the choir practices, and, and then the Youth for Christ meetings, and everything they did had to do with the church. But not once did they ever mention Jesus to me. So I'm the one that went to them and said, you know, you guys would be like a Jesus freak, like Like you do all this Christian stuff. Yeah, you could call us whatever you want. I said, how come all of these kids come and talk about Jesus to me? How come you never did? And this person looked at me and said, well you don't have to be a Christian for us to be friends because Jesus loves you just as much as he loves us you don't have to be a Christian we can be friends that evening when I went home I could get that out of my mind that these kids showed me their love by being good friends and they were my friends without any expectation back. It was an unconditional. There was no condition made here. And I think that's how Jesus' love is for us. Unconditional, no condition. And then about a few months later, they came back and they said, you know, there's another retreat, do you wanna go? I said, nope. They so they got a sauna. I said, okay. And this happened to be at Northwestern College. Of course, I did not know it was a Bible college or anything. And I was looking forward to really sharing Islam to, to a lot of these kids. But it was at this retreat, something had happened. As I was sitting there, all of a sudden, I started having chills in my body. And I started getting goosebumps, and I got, started getting nervous, and I had no idea why so this person that in always invited me to different christian events was there and i says man this things there's something bugging me i don't know what it is he says well i can pray for you because jesus will always heal well of course i went this year out the other and then as i was sitting there again things were going through my head and all of a sudden, the verses I had memorized from the four spiritual booklet started going through my head. It's like I started to understand what those biblical verses were, and it scared the heck out of me. Because I thought I had forgotten it, I just memorized it just to give the other kid a hard time. But those verses started coming into my head so strong, they made me so nervous because, as a Muslim, you cannot doubt there can't be any doubt between you and God and so I got so nervous where I felt scared and I said to myself I can't think that way so I started to go through all the verses I had memorized from the Quran but yet these verses from the Bible just kept coming and kept coming so strong to the point where I says, you know there's only one God up there I just want to talk to this God and I don't know how many hours I sat on the couch there But as I was sitting there, my whole body, I mean, I was drenched. I was sweating. And all of a sudden, I saw a vision. I saw a vision of a man. And he stretched his hand out. And he said, come. He said, come. I'll show you the way. And I knew who this person was. And this happened April seventh on a palm Sunday at quarter to one. I'll never forget it when Christ came into my life. And I just felt the the relief, I felt the joy that I cannot even describe to you unless you experience it yourself. What I was supposed to share, I didn't even share. I didn't even use my PowerPoint. But it's these two guys' fault. They told me, I, on the last minute this morning, they have to share. I can't do this in five minutes. Like I said, my name takes five minutes. Okay, let me let, let, me, so let me let just me just ask see.
1: one question, then we'll we'll uh, end the end the uh, time. Has uh, You you've talked about the importance of relationship, and we're we're talking about the importance of with finding common ground. Okay. And the, the whole principle that we're talking about here is we want to build relationships of trust with people, like a bridge. Because if we have trust, then we can bring truth, and that, that bridge can support the truth. So what, what you have seen is that that whole time with Young Life and all those lifers, the fact that they, they hung out with you and let you hang, hang out with them really gave the opportunity at the right time for you to really hear truth and process truth. Yes, and
2: you don't have to put a guy out in the snow. I'm not saying that's how you witness to a Muslim, but, but it was a way where they they were the ones that were building the bridge. This person who actually uh, said the prayer when I accepted Christ, I said, you know, that person said, I can now remove your name from my list of prayer. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I have a list of Prayer on my wall, and every time I see, it says yes, no, maybe, not answered. But then there was one piece of paper sitting there; everything was answered, except for one, and that was your name. And now I can mark it and say yes. He answered that prayer too. So these people were praying for me. Yeah, good. Okay. And there's a power of prayer that is unbelievable.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so it's the important part is, is is to really show Christ's love. You by just being yourself. And, and I think the hardest part was not only accepting Christ, it's after accepting Christ. It's to be able to go to a church where people accepted me. Because people would stare at me. Even recently. Now a lot of times I wear my Indian outfit. I don't even wear sh- when I'm speaking. And people say, well why are you wearing that? I say it's comfortable, it's like pajamas. <laughs> you know, makes me... You know, they want me to change, but you know what? I've tried everything. After I've accepted Christ, I can't change it. I can't change this color. But then why should I? He looked like me,
1: anyways. Mm-hmm. You know? Bravo. Thank you, Hassanein, for sharing your story and. What you have in your insert is uh, what we refer to as the five pillars, the, the five basic beliefs of Islam, and then you have six main articles of faith. And as you look at those, you can, you can begin to see that you have many things, and we have many things that we can call common ground between us. We can talk about the prophets. We can talk about prayer. We can talk about fasting. We can talk about giving. All these things are door openers for us just to talk with our Muslim friends about. And uh, we didn't get to that content. Hopefully in the future we, maybe we can come back and do some other training and, and, and hit that more completely. But let me just stop or end by uh, giving you a quote from Bishop Stephen Neal, an Anglican bishop. And he said this many years ago. Our task is to go on saying to the Muslim with infinite patience, sir, ma'am, Consider Jesus. We have no other message. And it's not the case that the Muslim has seen Jesus of Nazareth and has rejected him. He has never seen him. And this veil of misunderstanding and prejudice is still over his face. That is reality. So let us love them and then let us find the common ground and show them Jesus in the process. for these two gentlemen.
0: We're so appreciative of your story, and it's the story of God, it's the story of friendship, and it's the story of reconciliation between one young man and a heavenly father that loves you, sent his son for you, so that you can have life. Life eternal, life abundant. So thank you so much for sharing your story. And if you're interested in learning more about this faith in Christ, right outside these doors to the right is our new connections table. There'll be people there that would be happy to talk to you more about faith. After our worship service, Hassan and Kim will be up front here to talk more about the five pillars or the six articles or other questions that you might have. But we're going to receive this morning's offering. And as the ushers come down, let me just pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time once again that we can gather in your name to hear your story of grace, forgiveness, and new life. A new life that we receive, we don't work for, we receive by believing in Christ as our Lord and Savior. And it's you that we celebrate this morning, Jesus. It's you that we turn to as we seek to build relationships of trust that can bear the weight of truth. Thank you for this moment that we can share. Receive this offering as an extension and reflection of our faith in Jesus.
1: Amen.